0: Hi, I'm Ruthie, owner of Defy the Status Quo, and you're watching or listening to an episode of the Defiant Business Podcast, your Monday through Friday 10-minute shot of business knowledge. So today we're going to talk about user-generated content, or UGC. So what is user-generated content? Um, It could be photos or videos or just text posts on social media, typically of a customer or client talking about your product or your service. So you've probably seen these before. We see them on Facebook. We see them on Instagram. It's somebody, you know, hey, I just got this Google Pixel 2 and I love it so much. Uh, it's, It's way better than any other phone that I've ever had. And if you're in the market for a new phone, you should consider getting a Google and that's just me as your friend not sponsored and maybe if you hadn't considered getting a Google phone before you would consider it now because you know that I really enjoy having awesome you know technology at my disposal and you trust my review so even if you choose not to buy it in the end you know I might have caused you to research it and you may consider it and become a customer at some point in the future that no one could predict but that's the sort of Content, right? User generated content that companies just can't buy. And it it's so critical because studies show that over two-thirds of consumers trust UGC over branded consumer content or branded content from from the companies. And don't worry, client-based businesses, I'm thinking of you too. If if somebody writes a, a post on Instagram or LinkedIn about your services and how great they were, that's user-generated content too. So just because you don't sell a physical product doesn't mean that you can't also benefit from user-generated content. So like I said, it's, it's valuable because over 66% of consumers trust UGC over branded company content. Um, and another important thing to note is that content, user-generated content that's created on a cell phone or smartphone—you know, basically the vertical image—is considered more authentic by consumers as well. So this is an, a point where, you know, landscape photography, you know, the the longer, wider version of the photograph may not actually be to your benefit because it doesn't look like it was taken on a smartphone. The reason I think why that authenticity is so much, is so present and and so obvious with vertical images taken from smartphones is that for most of us who have a smartphone, you're typically not too far away from it. So when you post UGC or when a consumer posts UGC, it's it helps other people feel like they're in the moment and part of the experience. And that is exactly what it is. It's that person sharing their experience. And we know that either someone really hates something or they really love it in order to leave a review, right? The masses in the middle who are content often won't leave a review either way. So even if they're only mildly upset or they're mildly pleased, they won't leave a review. So positive UGC is definitely something you want to keep an eye out for. And you won't see it if all you do is schedule posts to your social media and you never actually check those channels. I have people that I've followed in the past on on LinkedIn especially, and I would comment and I would try to engage on their posts to try to help them out too, because if I'm talking and I'm asking questions, it gives them an opportunity to kind of show off their expertise and an answer never came. And I realized it was because they only scheduled their posts and they never actually checked LinkedIn. So I actually uh, unconnected with that person. But again, it was kind of a missed opportunity for them. One of the rules of etiquette that not a lot of companies follow when using UGC in their own strategy is that they don't reach out before sharing. And this is actually something I really advise you do because, you know, their content is theirs. It belongs to them. But I believe that when companies fail to reach out directly to customers who are obviously ecstatic about their product or service, And ask them for their content, they're missing an opportunity to directly engage with a happy customer and get feedback. If the person's willing to post onto their social media channels how great your business is, why not send a message and say, hey, we saw that you were talking about X product or X service, and we were so happy that you were thrilled. We wanted to reshare it on our social media channels. Is that okay? The customer more than likely is going to say yes. And then you continue that that conversation. So can you tell us what it was specifically that you liked about it? Ask them about their buyer's journey. How did you hear about us? What made you decide to choose us? Because they're already willing to share on social media, they're more than likely going to be willing to answer those questions. And that is, while not empirical data, that is valuable information that you can use in other marketing channels. It's information that you can use as you make refinements to your website and further hone your buyer personas. It could also alert you to a channel of referral that you weren't aware of. Perhaps there's a subreddit uh, that and and somebody posted about your company in that subreddit. And that is how that person found your company. But Reddit was never even a thing that you opened before. But now you know about it because you actually asked the customer. So don't miss out on these valuable Uh, market research opportunities. Just because you've got a successful product or service does not mean that the market research stops. If you want to stay successful, then you need to keep researching and figuring out what it is that your target market loves about your products and services. So, oh, and on top of all of that, it makes your customers and your clients feel really appreciated and heard. In the future, if they do have a problem, it's more likely that they would probably just respond to that message and say, hey, this happened, is there any way you can help me? I actually had that experience with Naked Wines. I order my wine from them and it's fantastic. However, the first time I got to interact with them directly was not on social media. It was because I was calling their service desk because, and it wasn't their fault. I knew this, but FedEx had signed for my wine package themselves and left it on my porch, which you're not allowed to do upside down in the rain. So like there are a whole bunch of things wrong with that, but it wasn't their fault. I was just calling to let them know that their carrier made several mistakes. They were profusely apologetic, and I, I advised them to, you know, request something from the carrier for them in return. Um, but and then they also gave me a $25 credit for for my trouble and you know i can't say enough good things about them especially because they how they reacted in a time where you know i could have been a really upset customer and actually blame them for what happened and even though i was very calm they were very very apologetic and made me feel like a valued customer so one last note don't confuse influencer content with UGC. Influencer content is purchased. You solicit an influencer to post about your company. This is not the same. Most people, while they do follow influencers, they do know that it's an influencer post. Not to mention the influencers are starting to be regulated and there are certain things they have cash flow, but then also add in terms of your business management and business growth, you know, assessments for if you want to hire employees or if you want to develop outsourced partners, but but work on those relationships at a pace that allows you to really assess their work and assess whether or not they'll fit in to your business structure and your business team. Okay, so I think now you can kind of get it. Yes, you can grow too fast and it's not a good problem to have. If you grow too fast, you could destroy your reputation and that will make it almost impossible it will make it almost impossible for you to do business. So keep those things in mind. We are coming up on the end of the first season of the Defiant Business Podcast, and we'll be taking a one-week break. But once that week is over, we've got a special guest for you, and we're going to be featuring this special guest throughout all of the next season, uh, you know, periodically, about once a week. And I think you guys are going to love what they had to say. I'll be revealing more details in the coming episodes, the final episodes of season one. And our premier guest is a, for next season, season two is a PR professional. And we were so excited that she agreed to be on the Defiant Business podcast. And you will learn a little bit more about her. We just have to feature her multiple times throughout season two. So be on the lookout for that. And uh, like I said, I cannot wait to share some of the things that Jennifer and I talked about uh, during our conversation last week. This has been an episode of the Defiant Business Podcast. We'll catch you next time.